The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Welcome to the Spinoff Superpod 2019, where we get as many spinoff podcasters as we can in one room to talk about the year that was and share our predictions for the year ahead. It's a hot mess of an idea that nobody asked for, and we're back for the third year in a row. So pour yourself a Bailey's and settle in. Corleone Hayden Tierney, I'm the co-host of the Spinoff Feminist podcast and web series On The Rag. I'm joined today by my On The Rag co-host, Alex Casey. Kia ora. Who's also pulling double duty for... The Real Pod, the experts on reality TV and real life in Aotearoa, with her co-host, spin-off big boss, Duncan Grieve. Kia And a big mahita, all the cornies listening. Uh, Duncan's also the host of the newest pod, The Fold, where he obsesses over the media with other media bosses. Uh, I'm also joined today by Toby Manhire, editor of the spinoff.co.nz. Kia ora. Uh, and political PR guy, Ben Thomas. Hello. Uh, they're two of the co-hosts of our politics podcast, Gone by Lunchtime. Actually, I host, I host, it's not co-hosted. Oh, it's I, just I, hosted I, by I host Toby. Pauline Rank. Helping them make sense of the year in politics is minor party enthusiast Alex Bray. Hello. Who produces the bulletin every weekday morning straight into your inbox. Alex also co-hosted an epic Cricket World Cup podcast series this year, The Offspin. With New Zealand's most intense cricket fan, spin-off commercial editorial director Simon Day. That's me. <laughs> Simon's other obsession is food, and he co-hosts Dietary Requirements with our food editor, Alice Neville. Kia ora. They have kindly donated some festive bubbles for the Superpod today. Kia ora. Can I also just say, I also made a, a brief appearance on The Offspin. Oh, sure, true. yeah. Uh, we can cover all the cameos later. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And finally, reaping all on her own for the literary folks of Aotearoa is Louisa Cossa from our books podcast, Paper Cuts. Kia ora. Welcome all. Thank you for joining us for this very ill-advised event. Um, we're going to start <laughs> with the lowlights of 2019 because we're going to get the whining out of the way. I'm going to start with the real pod. Um, it's been a roller coaster for your pod because you guys lost Jane to LA. Oh, oh my god, I didn't even think about that as a low light. That's really ruined. <laughs> I forgot her. That's really ruined my life. Great. But yeah. hey, predictions for twenty twenty. Well, Jane back. I want her back. You are. Well, you I want, want a, a petition? It's to a get prediction. Jane back. It's a prediction. Yeah. Um, so that really messed up. But you know, we did figure out how to use Skype, which was useful. 
Yeah, Jane, Jane's still with us. She's just like yeah. a little square that, um, in the middle of the table, and it's it's different. We've 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 come to terms with it. You've mastered the technology. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what are the other? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your other lowlights. It's been a, a weird time in reality TV land in 2019. Yeah, my highlight and my lowlight are both from the Married at First Sight cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, the the New Zealand's version of Married at First Sight has basically always been horrible. Um, just some combination of boring and and toxic, and it really like elevated that to to its kind of most. Uh, like unpleasant um, example this year with before it even started one of the grooms turned out to have like an outstanding I think assault uh, charge in a different country and had to be edited out and it was just a very unpleasant and kind of protracted saga and it it sort of set the stage for for a, a, a series that just really never got out of that funk don't you reckon? Mm. Well, it started with that and it ended with, you may remember in the finale, Jimmy uh, calling someone a slut six times in one sentence. Too many times for one sentence. Too many times. Exactly, exactly. And I think it just it really showed the kind of, the, the, it ran the gauntlet of kind of structural sexism and showed how it's all kind of interlinked in a web. You know, you saw the guy who was edited out kind of growing down with Jimmy <laughs> in like one of the really early, early kind of uh, stag do's. And I just think it really, it was just really ugly and horrible. I feel like a bit too much attention was given to Jimmy's sexism at the expense of his weird animalistic kind of National Geographic facial expressions. (laughs) When he was threatening to beat up the 50-year-old guy, he just started sort of baring his teeth and licking his lips. It was like a kind of Mm. David Lynchian sort of end of Twin Peaks kind of horror scene, like like he had seen somebody acting intimidatingly on a movie or something, but never tried it out on the mirror before busting it out drunk on national TV. Maybe we don't Then that, that. that has been <laughs> Thomas's annual audition for Real Pod, which he always completely aces. And one of the, the he most running... walked into the building saying that he's only here to talk about maths. <laughs> this is the high point of his year. I'm not even joking. I've been dirt tracking in a fucking polit- political podcast for three years. <laughs> Just just to get some good takes on reality TV out to the public. Are there any other reality TV fans or is it just all over here in the corner? Yeah, I watched Maths. It got quite grim and depressing. It always does. Yeah. It always does. It's because it's a stupid premise for a TV show. <laughs> totally. Disagree. It'll probably Look, won't be coming back. Got to so. meet someone somehow, Leonie. All right. <laughs> Alice Neville, season 2020. Yeah, sure. Imagine. Great. Imagine that. I'd it also would be just amazing like, if Alice was in the spin-off of I don't think they'd accept me. On Married at First Sight. <laughs> it's the meta step they need to take yeah. for the genre, I think, for us to be inside. Yeah, mm. as in it the unfolds. Room. I'd also just like to shout out one of my, my other low light is uh, Sam Wallace on Celebrity Treasure Island, who did not deserve to win. Oh, who basically, right. um, it was Shannon Ryan's game. Yeah, and Sam Waller showed himself to be a very way, bad sport. <laughs> really dumb in that final <laughs> challenge. Him and the Wiz and Shane Cameron were running around. They had no idea how to put the clues together. It was just complete <laughs> chance that he won. Sharon Ryan was robbed. She was robbed. It's the uh, patriarchy, in my opinion. Your defamation letters to the spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 trio. If that's the patriarchy, <laughs> incredible that it's lasted as long as it has. Very <laughs> cool. Yeah. Hey, well, that's a, a great um, way to segue. Thanks, Dunk. Speaking hey. of the patriarchy, yeah. 
Uh, Alex and I, as I mentioned, co-hosts of uh, Feminist Podcasts on the Rag. There have been some real shitters for women this year. Some real shitters. Um, but oh. I would probably say the worst part of the year would probably be Grace Mullane, her murder and the trial around her murder. What What do you think? I would say that sticks out as a nightmarish low light that I think a lot of people are still recovering from. Um, I particularly found the relentless coverage around it, unlike anything I've ever seen, kind of for my own mental health. Yeah. Really... Uh, was a completely new sort of a, a journey um and i c- realized i couldn't trust myself to not read uh, everything yeah. did so anyone was... else get that the, just the media oversaturation yes yeah especially around the trial um all the push notifications got a bit much did you turn them off no of course <laughs> no. not yeah <laughs> This has just been part of my general media blackout for this year. I've decided right. not to consume really any current affairs because it makes me feel nauseous. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, mainly Trump stuff and Grace uh-huh. Lane stuff. Mm. Um, and will you continue that on for 2020? Oh, we'll see, we'll see. Maybe I can, <laughs> maybe someone can change my mind. Maybe I'll. Um, I want to know what you think has happened this year. Oh, <laughs> I, I honestly have no idea. I'm, that's why I'm so nervous to be on this podcast. How do you think Simon so Rhodes is doing as Prime Minister? Would yeah. you rather be right about a 10? <laughs> um, will you turn your notifications back on next year for an election year? Yeah, I probably will. Yeah. yeah. More to say on that later. Yeah, yeah. more, more yeah. on that later. My future, my future um, predictions. Um, pundits in the room. How are we looking for an election? Did did twenty nineteen set set us up right, or is next year going to hell in a handbasket? Can't wait. Oh, cool. <laughs> the, the UK election was was merely an appetizer. <laughs> for the, oh. um, well, it's, it's it's actually going to be really interesting seeing how much cut through our politicians can get in the midst of a US election, um, because primarily because of the internet, I think. But it's always been a factor. Um, you know, Trump's re-election bid is, you know, cast a pall over basically the entire world. Um, you know, as Louise was, uh, Louise was saying, you know, you know, it kind of infects every area of our lives, right? Like it's this constant presence with us psychically, you know, and a lot of the time, you know, physically and visually through media. And, you know, to what extent can Jacinda Ardern and Simon Bridges be more compelling than Trump uh, and his re-election bid? So, it, you know, in a way, our politicians won't just be struggling against each other for airtime time and oxygen, but the US. Yeah. When is the US election? Next year. But more specifically. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's sort gosh. of early November. And the New Zealand election? Who we knows? We don't know yet. Uh, it will be announced. I think the Prime Minister has signalled that she will, as her predecessor did, uh, announce the election date in the kind of first couple of months of the year, and it will probably be probably be September. As always, these things depend uh, chiefly, and this isn't even a joke, on the all-black schedule. <laughs> really? Yeah. Good God. Because you don't want to have an election on a day when there's a home test match. Or a test match on that, on because elections in New Zealand are on Saturday, as we know. Oh, yeah, that's true. School holidays as well is the other major factor. They want people in their electorates. Oh, oh yeah. Shit. Oh my God, I'm learning. Oh, so okay. you, usually, once once you know the sort of quarter of the year that it'll be in, you can usually narrow it down to sort of three or four possible dates. 
Um, now, is it true that National have got some kind of um, sophisticated propaganda video making wonderkins uh, on their campaign now? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll ask Ben to confirm this because I know he enjoys talking on the subject, but I think they've got um, four floors underground in a <laughs> nuclear-powered bunker, an oriental parade, with several hundred... Uh, recruits from some of the most nefarious Russian troll farms working around <laughs> the clock preparing memes. Is that right, Pete? Broadly speaking, yes. Um, no, there's, uh, it, it's actually an, an interesting illustration of the way that misinformation spreads in an election year, um, as tweeted by gallery star Henry Cook yesterday, that a lot of the people who are so concerned about the possibility of online misinformation in the election year next year just take it as an article of faith that Topham Gurr and the sort of social media wonderkins who have um, helped Boris Johnson to re-election, helped Scott Morrison to re-election this year, are working for National and driving their impressive meme factory and disinfo um, engine. And it's it's not true. You know, there, there, there is no... There is no business relationship between Topham Guerin and National right now. I think there's a bit of cognitive dissonance that some people on the left feel a bit, you know, anxious about admitting that they're being owned online by a couple of 25-year-olds on parliamentary staffer salaries. Sure. It's true, certainly, that um, there was a delegation from the National Party that went early this year over to Australia to uh, collect some learnings from the Morrison campaign, uh, which of course won against the odds over Labour, and safe to say, I don't think anyone would deny that they took away uh, quite a few lessons, including that they needed to be a bit more of the moment, a bit more zeitgeisty with their social media output, and it's 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 working at the moment, mostly because everyone's in a lather over it. Yeah, and but I mean, and that's internet culture, yeah. you know. I mean, I, I, I'm, yeah. I, I myself am a, a, a swift adapter of overseas memes. <laughs> if, if I think there's any faves or RTs in it, like. <laughs> so, to be fair, they have to pass the spin-offs, Madeline Chapman's uh, scrutiny first. High she's pretty much your mentor. She grades in, you very harshly. Memes, she? <laughs> yeah, she grades you very harshly. Um, yeah, but I look. I I like to think of mine and Mad's relationship as a partnership. Mentorship. <laughs> 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 she, uh, yeah, I I did provide her with the um, well-being framework graph from Treasury, which, you know, it's my contribution to New Zealand meme cool, culture. That was, that was a hit, obviously. <laughs> Chapman Thomas. What, wait, <laughs> you firm? <Just> saying. <laughs> um, although I think we all know that Mad Mad's memes will be the highlight of the 2020 election campaign Absolutely. for everyone. That's a great prediction for the 2020 election. Um, Alex Bray, um, as the guy with his finger on all of the pulses Many when pulses. it comes to news and media <laughs> in New Zealand. Um, when this year do you think we conducted ourselves the worst as a nation? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's tempting to say, like, literally today, when uh, the entire online world got really excited about a Twitter war between Simon Bridges and Nigel Latter. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, it just sounds like one of those word salads sort of... Um, it really does. Uh, you know, but... Um, no, look, I, I think uh, I think New Zealand's uh, sort of political and media watching culture this year has conducted itself 
kind of as well as could be expected and that's sort of really breathless and uh you know way overexcited about far too many things um and uh, and i think we can just expect that to continue yeah more of the same or a more intense version oh worse yeah, worse much, much worse. worse everything always gets worse in yeah. that in that area so i i would say much worse um do you have any other news lowlights for 2019 hmm hmm um uh, well a lot of like national disasters this year to be yeah fair. yeah they are i mean they are definitely bad <laughs> Too spicy. <laughs> edited out in post. Yeah, but I mean, I think part of the part of the problem with those sort of events is that they were really relentless this year, and they become so much so that you know you're just sort of like, wow, this is uh, it's all just happening again. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the the way that I summed up the year when we did a similar sort of spin-offy thing last year was, wow, it turns out things can actually get worse. <laughs> yeah. In 2019, I could have just repeated the exact same thing, except for the fact that Toby was checking them, and, and so I couldn't just... <laughs> but you seem to be feeling a lot more uh, positive about uh, the global community's ability to mitigate climate change. What gave you that impression? Oh, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday you said in the bulletin... Um, in reference to China, Australia, and the US, oh, yeah. that such countries will be the death of us all. Yeah, yeah. So what, <laughs> what we really need to do is just stop thinking about those countries. And I think we'll all be a lot happier if we do. Well, sage advice there from Alex Bray. <laughs> As um, always. I'm going to assume for the offspin, for both Alex and Simon, one of the biggest tragedies of the year was probably... Almost winning the Cricket World Cup and then not winning we the did Cricket win. World Cup. Well, I've come to reconcile that game um, by thinking of it as if we had won in the way we should, it would have been maybe a top 10 game of cricket of all time. Yeah. But the way we went about losing it meant that we got to participate in the single greatest game of cricket ever played. Oh, that's a positive so, spin. Yeah, so hey, it's, it's both the highlight different. and the low light of my year. Can it's a very New Zealand idea. I know, isn't it? When, when, when you wait your whole life for something to happen that might never happen again, uh, and you don't quite reach the uh, the pinnacle of that moment, um, you know, you have to try and find a way to make sure that uh, your entire existence wasn't just a waste of time. Um, can you talk us through the actual World Cup time and the podcast that you guys were recording um, because you guys were doing some pretty gnarly like 3am, 4am records and so a lot of all-nighters. So I think did you go mad? A little bit. I think what can really capture <laughs> the whole sort of vibe of the spin-off was I stayed up all night to watch New Zealand play Bangladesh. Very close game. Uh, I was watching us just become victorious in the car park of Mercy Hospital where I went in to have um, my eight-week uh, scan and my wife uh, was, was pr newly pregnant and sort of half an hour after that adrenaline-filled match, which I'd stayed up all night for, I found out we were having twins and <laughs> then I had to go straight from Mercy Hospital to the studio to record a podcast with Alex Millie was just driving around and around the spin-off block, not knowing what the hell to do. 
Uh, and then I had to, um, I, I just want to point out, I did not know about this and I would have sent him back outside if I had. <laughs> but then I had to spend the whole day at work as well. It was, um, you know, things got, things got rough. Would you describe it as buzzy? It was very buzzy. <laughs> yes. The the biggest buzz was the, uh, the weirdest buzz was that day after the final. Trying to work after, after that match. Was that when Toby was wearing sunglasses inside the whole day and our faces were all the colour of sort of Toby, you know, ancient ash? Toby looked, like yeah. he'd, Toby looked like he'd just lost his children in a savage custody battle. Worse. <laughs> I'd just arrived back from a fleeting visit to Europe, so I was jet-lagged and sad and tired. It was an emotional And probably hungover, time. knowing me. Yeah, actually, just on that, that was actually one of the highlights of the podcast, getting a, a live report from Lords itself. Yes, thank you, From Alex. Alice Neville. Um, typically, when people give live reports in the news, it's about the actual events that are unfolding. <laughs> but Alice uh, had absolutely no interest in that. We heard a lot about the beer. We heard a lot about the curry there. The colour. <laughs> uh, I think I, I said thought. some stuff about the cricket, but then you cut it out. And then what actually went yeah. live was just... The, the the atmos the vibes which was fine that was good i mean we ran out of time yeah so, so the vibes were what was <laughs> priorities most yeah yeah no it was that great was calling in check. do you know at lords you can byo alcohol which just blew my mind so that's why i sounded very merry that's even great. though we'd lost hey um ella yes describe to me the absolute worst food trends of 2019 hmm yeah see I just saw that on your screen and was like, ah, oh, food trends of 2019. Okay, so. Or restaurants. Uber or Eats. Food people. There's been or... a lot of Uber Eats, like ghost restaurants. That could be seen as a bad trend, I'd say. Uber Why? Eats is the worst trend. Uber yeah. Eats is killing New Zealand uh, restaurants. Can you, can you explain why? Yeah, why are the ghost restaurants specifically bad? I don't know. I just was clutching I mean, at straws. It's quite scary. Yeah. Spooky. Spooky. They're fucking terrified. Spooky food. Trends. I don't Can't know. We're freak shakes. We're freak shakes this year. I think they might have been on the bad yeah, food trend list for last year. What about year, donut actually? walls? Is that 2019? <gasps> Oh, well, fucking platters where you've got table. the grazing table. I believe table. we dissected grazing yes. tables last Superpod. See, I don't know so if I remember Toby kind of awaking from a nap <laughs> <laughs> and just like oh, saying well, something weird there. about hampers. Yeah, I remember that. What's a, like donut a modern wall? hamper? Well, yeah, what's a donut It's just like wall? a piece of wood with a bunch of like, <laughs> like knobs on it with donuts hanging off it. And it's always like, do not leave without taking oh one. Oh my God, I've never had that. It sounds amazing. I think I love it. That's a good trend. Where have you experienced this? Online. I had one. I had one at the Breakers. Which are, I mean, ah. bad. Speaking of bad trends, yeah. So uh, you know, they really <laughs> confirm it. I've got some low lights, but they're not trends as such. Have at it. Cadbury continued to fuck us over mm. by splitting the marshmallow Easter eggs, and so they were half eggs. Oh yeah, that was a, a big scandal. Yeah. But we fixed them. Didn't we, we Alex? We glued right. them back together and you helped, didn't you? Yeah, you can always yeah. rely on the spin-off to do the hard work. Um, other lowlights, there were a lot of closures and bad times in the hospitality industry as a whole. Uh, Queen's Rise, my story, there were a lot of woes there for the businesses. You can read my story for more details. Spin-off.co.nz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Mercury Plaza closed, Clooney closed. 
um, overseas, there was the Jamie restaurant empire falling, if you recall yeah. that. He's still like a multi-billionaire. Yeah, though, right? he's fine. Like, we don't feel bad for him about that, do we? Yeah. Nah, not really. He's all right. He's all right. Toby, can, can I ask you about a food thing? Yeah. Yes. There was a restaurant that closed on Ponsonby Road after a um, after oh, like an yeah. all you can drink brunch. Yeah, <laughs> gone Mr. wrong. Mr. Tom's gone wrong. Oh. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and like there were a few news stories about it about how disgruntled patrons had been left getting drunk in the sun for hours on their free margaritas while um while their food didn't arrive, and then both of the stories just had a sort of stray aside about um how a, a waiter told the customers that. Everything, everything had been tracking along fine until the two chefs had like fallen out completely and both left in opposite right. directions. <laughs> That's probably always and not a good I, sign. I want 8,000 words on that. Yeah. Yeah, I okay. want like a long read yeah, on the I boring think, Ponsonby Road yeah. chefs okay. who like left everyone to like dehydrate in the Was sun. Was this just in one day? The chefs just got angry and left and then everyone got o- Over the course of brunch, I think. Yeah. Wow. Bottomless brunches was definitely That's a, a trend, bad trend actually, yeah. of 2019. Yeah, I feel like they're quite kind popular, aren't they? Trend. It's not surprising that Dance it ended man. up in a f- two chefs fighting and people not getting their We food. can't be, like, trusted. New Zealanders can't be trusted to have bottomless anything. That's true. <laughs> so in Japan, they have bottomless. Uh, you get an hour of to eat as much food and... Uh, you can get free drinks. You know, you pay for a window of time at these Japanese restaurants and lovely Japanese people go in and just use it as a little bit of freedom. But uh, yeah. when New Zealand tourists go and experience it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. It, it is a disaster. Yeah. I think the club meds around the world have like all you can drink packages, but the Pacific ones are the only ones they don't have them at because they can't trust <laughs> New, Zealand, Too close to New, Zealand. New Zealand and Australian tourists. Um, I have a food there. query. Yes. Because this is also one of my lowlights of the year. You yeah. might remember Erin Simpson's uh, oh, lunch yes. from the day before her wedding. <laughs> yeah, I do. I she do. Instagrammed uh, a photo of her lunchbox. Her mum had made her lunch. Cute. And it was yes. two hard-boiled eggs, mm. two yogurts, and kind of just like a smear of mayonnaise. Where was the mayonnaise? In its own little container. Oh, weird. It was like a little bento lunchbox, okay. so it was split up. Yeah. But I'm like, that's in a car. That's room temp. That's the day before your wedding. Yeah. Oh, and I've got a lot of feelings. We yeah. started the kind of private versus public egg debate on the real oh, pod, which yeah. kind of went viral. And that two different people came up to me and said, I'm with you on the private eggs. I, I think it's a private food. Mark Kelleher was eating a boiled egg yesterday or the other day. This is Ooh, yeah, stinky. This was news to me today. <laughs> I prodigiously eat a lot of boiled eggs. Yeah. And I had no idea I was disgusting, Alex. It's not other people doing time. it. It's like I constantly live in fear that someone's going to like give me an egg sandwich. Right. Oh, in like a social same, situation. So I know that Toby has these feelings about eggs Because as well. it's yuck or because you'd feel yuck for it's eating it? It's just an intimate thing. <laughs> so an egg so sandwich. If you have a no. private retreat to go to to eat the sandwich... Fine. That would be fine. I'd li- I need a panic room. <laughs> like this studio. <laughs> like this tiny And you eat studio. eggs in there and you eat like the last oh, little no. bit of the kebab. I'm, it's like a mess. I'm fine with an egg sandwich. I thought we were just talking about whole boiled eggs, which are a particular shameful item. Tasty. Don't not. get me wrong. I reckon that's in a sandwich. Fine. for having hard boiled eggs for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I beat you to <laughs> you bully people at school? Oh, my about? God. This is rocking the nation. It is. I think Simon Louisa, what does the literature say about eating boiled eggs? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, some great examples of egg eating in literature. Surely Roald Dahl wrote... Surely fucking Moby Dick or some shit. Yeah, I don't surely. know. Um, Tell us what the, uh, the, the the biggest scandal of the year oh, for, in the book world was. Yes, yes. Well, there are a couple of international award scandals. Mm. Um so one of them, I mean, it depends on like how you look at it, whether it's a scandal or not, but the Man Booker Prize for the first time in almost 30 years was jointly awarded and there's nothing that pisses people more off more than a draw, I think. It's very unsatisfying. And they went one up on the Turner Prize, right? And they gave it to everyone, all the people who were in the <laughs> yeah, Turner Prize. That's, yeah. a, that's a visual art prize rather than yeah. a book one, but it's like the UK is kind of somehow like kind of spasming against the idea of all the terrible people running the country oh, and yeah. just sharing everything out. But I also think a lot of people were like, Margaret Atwood probably doesn't need that prize yeah. money. Oh, yeah. So to backtrack, uh, so the prize was won by Margaret Atwood for her new book, The Testaments, obviously the sequel to the hugely successful The Handmaid's Tale, which is having a renaissance due to the TV show. Um, and the other winner was um, Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo. She is a UK author. Um, follows the lives of multiple characters. Some are, uh, some are female, some are... Actually, they're all female. Some are trans, some are young, some are old. Apparently, it's awesome. Full disclosure, I haven't read it. Oh, I have read the Oh, the biggest scandal of them all! <laughs> I know, I know. So, yeah, like you say, Leonie, like, people were all like, oh, well, does Margaret Atwood really need it? Like, it kind of is a bit stink because, you know, Margaret Atwood, hugely, su- 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 hugely successful already. Yeah. Bernard and Everesto, Hadn't really heard of her before. It's a big thing for an author to be able to put Man Booker Prize winner, but stink to have to put in brackets, like, <laughs> jointly. Right. But like surely jointly that'll be the most memorable Man Booker of, that yeah. has ever been awarded, right? Uh, yeah, it I mean, might I even work out better. I can't any others at this moment. Well, neither can I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's a good story, and maybe it'll stick in people's minds a bit longer and will have a life other than just being, like, something that you chuck on the jacket of her next book, so... Um, can I add one more award scandal? Sure. Um, so John yeah. Banville, also a novelist. Um, he, what has he written? Ah, oh, I don't remember. He's written some lovely books. books. Yep, yep. Um, and he got a phone call the day before the Nobel Prize for Literature was to be announced. And um, the call came from a, um, a Swedish telephone number and they told him that he had won the award. He hadn't won the award. <laughs> he had not won the award. It's the meanest prank ever. It was John and Ben. So mean. And you can I know You feel it's it, worthy Alex. of them. Oh, maybe they wouldn't even stoop so low. Um, and so there's a, a really sad article that you can view um, online on the Irish Times, I believe. And the headline is, I believed it. And there's a little sad <laughs> photo of John Banville's sad wee face. So I do recommend looking for some schadenfreude. This is that's sort of the opposite of when Ashley Young won her mysterious international prize oh, yes. for her book of essays, and she, you know, thought it was a spam email right. because she, because she had never heard of the award. That's a very Kiwi reaction. <laughs> really oh, it must be a mistake. Yeah. Toby, you should interview that guy at the Reader Writers Festival next year. John Banville. Yeah. Oh, sort it out. Yeah. No yeah. We all want to hear about that first thing. Um, I was going to say on the highlights and lowlights, we kind of, we've touched on it uh, glancingly, but we should mention Christchurch before we get out of that, yes. that period of it, which was, I mean, I think probably, I mean, lowlight almost seems glib to describe it, but what happened in Christchurch on, 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 
on the 15th of March was also a, a crazily kind of a highlight in some ways, both because, I mean, in terms of some of the things that everybody seemed to learn as a result of that. And I think particularly we've had the misfortune in recent decades to see a lot of political responses to appalling terrorist acts that have used those acts in kind of quite naked, politically expedient ways. Um, most recently with Boris Johnson and that um, attack on the on, on uh, London Bridge, where he immediately used it as a campaigning <laughs> tool. Um, and I think that the political response to that led by Jacinda Ardern and from the Muslim community in Christchurch was kind of incredible. And so I just sort of yeah. thought we should just worth acknowledging um, along the way. It was definitely the saddest thing that's happened to our wee nation in a long time. It was shocking. I remember I worked through quite a few bad things happening in New Zealand, such as the Christchurch earthquake. And I just remember, I never didn't feel, I don't know, it just was so shocking and just awful and upsetting. It brought out the best in our leaders, but I hate to say it, it has opened the door to a lot of public racist sentiment for some reason after all of that outpouring of love by Mm. so many people in New Zealand and all around the world. It also somehow gave a bunch of white supremacists permission to go harder than ever. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think there was a brief period in which it looked like we might actually become a less racist nation yeah, as a result yeah. of it. And and I kind of feel like yeah. a lot of that sentiment among people who didn't already necessarily hope for it to happen, a lot of that sentiment has already dissipated. Um, and then, of course, uh, our most recent natural, national tragedy was um, the awful eruption on Fakadi. But again, um, it has brought out a lot of the best of, of people in the Bay of Plenty and in Fakatani and... I feel like uh, a lot of the international families that are here grieving um, for the people that have survived and not survived uh, been embraced by the locals really well, which is it's nice totally. to see. Yeah, as we had a piece from Catherine Dallahunty at the weekend, I think, about how tangata whenua really lift us up. And, you know, we're so lucky to have that in New Zealand in times of tragedy and how they're looking after the international families so well. Fucking scary place to live in New Zealand, though. Like, yeah. yeah, this is very, very full on. But these volcanoes are everywhere. Yeah, I used to have nightmares when I was a kid about the fact that I was just surrounded by volcanoes. Anyone else? Oh, well, I grew up in yeah. Wellington, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah the last thing you want to do is live it. on a volcanic field, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all fucked. I, all I lay well. awake for about a year when I was about eight, scared of earthquakes because they just kept happening. Thinking I was going to die, but in the Wellington, yeah, yeah. To me, it's more frightening the thought of you know when you go when you're a tourist or when you're doing any activity, you you assume that someone's in charge and that someone's Mm. responsible and that everything. Because I've always been really anxious and I'm always like, what about this? What about that? And then my go-to to calm myself down is to say, look, people don't just make you do something really dangerous for yeah. fun. Yeah, but like we wouldn't be going if there was any risk. Sort of. Yeah, The exactly. same time that's part of the appeal. The The reason why people were there was because it's risky and scary and it's nature on the edge. Like, and that is why I will never go. So yeah, I actually went on a White Island tour last year and, and it was very, very clear from it that the number one risk was not an eruption. Even though the guides did talk about the fact that there could be an eruption, the number one risk was basically tourists walking off the path like uh, i i think people have focused on the eruption as being what the danger was of white island but really 
it, it's sort of a strange place to have tourism at all because it's literally if you take one step in the wrong direction you'll fall into like an acid lake oh right which uh, i mean in hindsight you know everyone's an expert but also in hindsight there was probably going to be some sort of disaster at some stage with this and, and maybe people should have seen it coming a little bit more were you on lsd when you were walking around on <laughs> absolutely not i've never done anything illegal in my life so it's just grinning right all right well okay <laughs> my knowledge. uh in the interests of lifting our spirits without seeming glib um i would like everybody's highlights of the year they can be your personal highlight they can be on the kaupapa of uh whatever your podcast is about let's just let's just uh tell the world what we're feeling good and happy about from 2019 we'll start with you alex and go this way about this year or next year this year uh this year um i think from the perspective of the Offspin podcast, learning to really love cricket again. You know, uh, it's always been a, a relationship which has been so much more heavy emphasis on the hate part of the love-hate relationship. Um, but this year, I think, uh, you know, win or lose, it was just it was just beautiful to see. Wow. Well, you were beautiful to listen to as well, Alex. You were, Alex. Oh. I loved it. <laughs> Sorry. My highlight was at Wellington on a Plate, which is a really incredible festival. It was the first time I visited, and it's just a month-long uh, celebration of all the amazing things New Zealand does with food. And they get incredible international guests as well, and I got to be fed by and then hang out with Nancy Silverton. Oh, my God. So uh, who was one of – you know, people say never meet your heroes, but she um, – was an amazing cook and super cool and very very tolerant of my fandom as well, which was <laughs> kind of her. It is very nice. Alice? Uh, my highlight is equally as highbrow in that it is Mad Chapman's chip ranking, which was <laughs> oh, yeah. in March, I think, um, and it just, just gladdened my heart and it gladdened the hearts of the nation and made so some angered. people very angry. <laughs> And it got a lot of clicks for the food section. Um, My yeah, favourite no, part of that. you loved it. But it just, I reread them recently, her, her original post and then the response. And it's just, just so, I just love it. It's just so good. Disgruntled people were calling the general manager of Freedom Farms, our uh, wonderful sponsors of the food section, demanding that the rankings be changed. <laughs> yeah. I like we took it very serious. Yeah, all yeah. the way over your head. Go to the Poor money. Hillary. Follow the money. Thanks, Hillary. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Hillary. Um, my highlight of the year, just to be a real corny corn dog, is basically just continuing to work at the spinoff.co.nz. I'm thankful for the spinoff.co.nz. I believe in independent media and I think the people who listen to what we do and read what we do believe in it as well. Aww. And it's just a year-long highlight to work here Aww. at this wonderful Duncan's place. Duncan's weeping. I know, Duncan's crying. <laughs> <laughs> and if you love the spin-off too, please join the members. Yes. Yes. Uh, if you want to see great independent journalism continue to be made, you can help support that. If you, unless you want to see Duncan Grieve crying tears of pain rather than joy. <laughs> 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 I'll take either. Yeah. There you go. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference with them. It's true. Tears, joy, <laughs> sadness. Louisa highlights. 
Um, I think for me and probably for the podcast, I'm just going to speak for Paper Cuts, um, going down to Verb um, Literary Festival in Wellington, this was the first year where they had expanded from Lit Crawl, which is quite a small wee um, little bookish festival, into something much larger with international guests and so on. And it was just a really lovely vibe. Um, Wellington, famously, way more chill than Auckland. Sorry about it. Um, No apologies. There was nary an iron grey bob or, you know, twin set, sharp elbowed pensioners trying to trample you. Sorry, I had a bit of a time at the last Auckland festival. Um, So, really do recommend that um, if you guys have the ability next November or this coming November, I forget which one it is. Um, to check that out down in Wellington. I agree. With oh, that. yeah, I saw you there. Having got, uh, been to a bit of that and just think Claire Maybe and Andrew Laking just do an amazing job. Fuck Absolutely yeah. the best in the country at what they're doing. And actually, Claire Maybe will be, um, she's curating the Wellington, uh, the International Festival of the Arts, um, their book week um, this coming February, let's say, March, don't know. I'll be interviewing John Bamble. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was quick. Yeah. Shit. All right. Alex Casey. Hello. Um, I have a lot, real pod wise, uh, and, and kind of personally, I mended my relationship with Erin Simpson this year, Aww. which is a huge highlight yeah. for me. You might have just ruined it again with the egg. It was tough. Yeah. She knows. <laughs> she knows. Um, and I'd also like to nominate, are we doing our object, the Hall of Famers? We're going to do our honours uh, and dishonours list after this. Oh, okay. We'll Stage do both at once. So, Stage yeah, hold on to personal that highlight. Um, Also, uh, meeting Sophie Hanford, my doppelganger slash climate strike extraordinaire, uh, really made me feel positive about the future in a way that I have not felt <laughs> for a very yes. long time. All those young women uh, leading the charge with the climate strike. It's going to be just, okay. Oh, made me cry on the train home after meeting her. And also, she looks like me, so I get a lot of nice messages when she wins awards. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Duncan. Uh, What you said before, which made me weep a little bit, just a couple of cheeky cheeky tears. Um, That was was very nice. Um, uh, Real pod-wise, I'm just going to do it, complete the the twin set from my um, low light and say that Married at First Sight Australia was the absolute like it was unbelievable like it, i mean i don't think it should be a thing that exists in the world to be clear like it was <laughs> decadent and depraved and all kinds of wrong but like <laughs> sam dan and his and jess like cheating oh that was conniving, just appalling human behavior but went into it with the most open eyes and closed hearts <laughs> Guaranteed that we all lost. And it was just the whole spectre of it was just the most riveting, like nauseating, extraordinary television experience. I think during the, there was this sort of final interview thing that we watched as a group, one of the last things we did before Jane left the country. And it was, it was like, it was just one of the the, the best, most bizarre like, how is this where humanity is? Just the bleeding edge of what we're doing to one another. Mostly online, but in this case, like, on chairs in a room. Um, and it was it was freaking spectacular. Also, one last... I'm just going to keep doing this because I actually have to go now, which is a classic real pod staple that it I'm really just going to insert really into the super pod. Uh, Carly Rae Jepsen was a show that I've been waiting a long, long time for. And um, 
I was at the town hall. Everything He's was bathed in this again. kind of. I am crying. Again. <laughs> I'm crying out of all my pores. Um, it, it was just bathed in the soft pink light. There were a lot of people crying at the freaking venue, just nakedly weeping at the the quality of of the performance and the songs that said so much to us. And everyone was just dancing like it was their last night on earth, which who knows, you know, one of them. And and it was just it was beautiful. I was so happy. I was so happy. I wanted to live forever in that moment. Fucking crying again. Um, Courage, it's I adore you with my whole heart. I know you're listening. I gotta go. Bye, Duncan. Bye, Duncan. Bye, Duncan. Duncan out. Crazy. Out. Toby. Talk us through it. He's just left. So um, my highlight was easily the time that we did a video in which every, it was meant to be a promotional video for the book, but everyone at the spinoff did their impression of Duncan dance. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, it was quite special. And um, it's kind of now buried forever in a vault. Yeah. It's a shame we can't share it with the world. Well, we we know where it is. Carly Ray Jepsen. So if, 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 if things ever go fully belly up, we can use it um, for blackmail purposes. Good, good point. Um, And uh, less seriously, since we're meant to be a political podcast, I guess I felt that the um, zero carbon bill well, a long way from perfect was the fact that it was supported across the house, apart from Ben's close personal friend David <laughs> Seymour, um, was 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 a pretty that. amazing moment, and it hopefully will get better from here rather than being wound back. But I felt that was a pretty huge moment. Politically, the high, my highlight was very similar to Alex's. Um, I met my doppelganger, Matt Ducey. <laughs> <laughs> from national yet to meet my other doppelganger <laughs> and what's christopher luxon <laughs> if he if he did if he goateed up he might be Na- Na- national is heading into 2020 with the finest looking stable of candidates for <laughs> quite some time <laughs> and if ted johnston grew a goatee oh my god yes um, Simon Day just did a visual gag, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> who knows who Ted post- Johnson? <laughs> I don't know who that is. A, uh, a um, mayoral candidate oh. whose poster we naturally have in the recording studio mm. in Auckland. This Are is you only Auckland. Steal though. So uh, I didn't steal <laughs> it. It wasn't stolen. And cut. <laughs> it was about to blow into the sea at Cox's Bay, so I rescued it uh, from the environment. And yeah. brought it back to the office because Toby uh, Morris loves Ted Johnston's billboard so much. It is like Toby Morris wants it. It's international waters. It's not yeah. exactly. It's not a crime. And in in terms of uh, political stuff, obvious. You know, the highlights are, you know, the admirable bipartisanship on the carbon zero bill uh, act. Now the um, the response to the Christchurch shooting from the major parties, and. Another highlight, I think, is um, actually the announcement of the port move, which I and my colleague Matthew Hooden have been banging on about for years. Um, just on a personal, visceral level, oh my it's, god, it's kind of encouraging. Duncan just went back in to shut down this shameless PR shilling. Yeah, to the port. <laughs> please continue, but not for too long. Ben. <laughs> well, no, I mean it, it is nice because we were promised a transformational government. We were promised big changes. You know, the rollback of neoliberalism, whatever. Now, I don't know whether the port move, you know, counts in that regard, but it is actually an example of the government finally being bold about something big, which is, you know, something we have, you know, that has been absent for a couple of years. Um, On a personal note, the best thing I've done this year is spend four months living in the bush down in Waikato Moana. 
It was oh, great. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You've gone full night, Tuhoi. Well, yeah, well, commercial commercial disclaimer, I've been doing some work for my friends at Tuhoi. Um, they've been putting me up <laughs> next to the lake. Um, but, you know, in it, when we see, you know, like this shitstorm with Owairaka, you know, with, with people sort of um, trying to kind of, you know, second guess the treaty settlement process, mm-hmm. and then, you know, attacks from the left about the inadequacy of the sort of process. And then when you actually see, you know, an example of a post-settlement iwi, which is really sort of forging ahead and doing really great things for its people, for its environment. Um, you know, it makes you pretty happy to be a New Zealander, I think. Oh, Manamoto hake. Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, so that was our highlights. Um, I've asked you all to come prepared with um, entries for the third annual uh, honor, spin-off honours board and the spin-off dishonours board. Um, so staying with Alex again, um, please tell me your entry for the Honours Board and the Dishonours Board. Um, the Honours Board is a really easy one. Uh, Jimmy Neesham is easily the most famous person to come on our podcast. So that's that's very, very clear. And, and you know, he was quite a good talker as well and stuff, but mostly the fame thing. Um, Dishonours Board, also about a guest on our podcast. I'm going to put Callum Henderson up there, former Whoa! spin-off contributor. Because he, he like we, we recorded a podcast at about two in the morning after the Sri Lanka game with him. Um, we he had, was drunk. He was very drunk. And yeah, look, was we recorded, the rest of you we recorded for about an hour and got 25 minutes of material out of it <laughs> because he kept on fucking defaming Simon Dool. <laughs> and quite frankly, you know, that it was it was just a pain in there. At that time of night, I was just not into it. Would you consider fine. releasing the raw audio for a sort of a private audience? Yes. Yes, <laughs> indeed. As long as you it pl- Platinum spin-off members' status, yeah. you get to listen. <laughs> You as an, as an amateur podcast producer, I had to edit that at the four o'clock in the morning while the sober driver for the group as well. So it was very unfair. Callum <laughs> goes on my shit list as well. Uh, my, your honours list, please. My, my honours board is uh, Darius Lolaye and Bex Schmidt, who run Kazador. Um, it's just that premise is not supposed to work. It's a weird spot at the end of Dominion Road. They have a time consuming attention to detail and use produce that Darius himself has shot you know he makes his own charcuterie it's just they're only open four days a week they have this investment in their staff's health um that's just really amazing in the hospitality industry and super Woo. necessary yeah toast oh. Oh. colin uh Tita? What a very shaken up bottle of champagne. Um, And Darius is so fucking hot. I I just love to imagine him coming out of the bush with a uh, (laughs) with a deer with a deer on his back. That's how I imagine Ben Thomas going to the airport. Simon honestly talks about Darius in like every podcast we do. Yeah, so he's a very good looking man. He's a very good looking man. Shout out Darius. Uh, I've got, I've really got this Iranian thing that I love. Um, <laughs> what? And the dishonours list is the New Zealand public and the amount they complain about how much food costs. It's really really hard running a cafe or a restaurant and. If I hear anyone complaining about a $4 flat white again, I'm going to foot trip you. <laughs> like, you need to understand how much you can pay six bucks for a flat white and people are still making like 5% margin. So invest in the wonderful cafes and restaurants that we have here because it's a real hustle to survive. 
and stop fucking moaning all the time. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. of you, you're on, you're on watch, New Zealand. I'm coming for you. Okay. Thank you for that very menacing entry onto the dishonours board. Uh, Alice. Uh, my honours list, I have two. You guys can choose which one you want. The first one is the Caritza, which what? is a curry pizza hybrid that has emerged in Wellington. I reviewed mm. it, as I'm sure you all remember. And what read. kind of curry is it? It's any curry you want. It's oh. like a curry pizza topped with an array of... Did you not read? Did you not read my yes, review? Yes, I did, but I read so many of your things that oh, I sometimes. Yeah. I, I just write so much. It's just, ooh. Is there like a is there like a snob thing like kind of like pineapple on pizza where people are like oh, butter chicken on pizza? Oh yeah, people. Some people were horrified by the caritza. Like a nice dry curry, a sloppy one is obviously. Oh, not it was. Work, but it uh, was. I got like a paneer, some sort of spicy paneer. It was beautiful. Was that Sounds the good. best thing you had all year? Uh no, but it just popped into my mind when I thought honors board. Great. Uh, but also then I thought slushies should be on the honours board. Remember slushies? Absolutely. Yeah. Slushies. So either of them. And dishonours? Dishonours, uh, Teagle. Oh. An all big chicken, nasty, nasty intensive chicken farming like the one where 190,000 chickens died recently, which did not even dent... New Zealand's cheap chicken supply. You should Google what those factories look like because they're pretty grim. I'm imagining what teagle slushies would taste like. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what chicken nuggets are made out of. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. What about a caritza slushy? Now you're talking. <laughs> um, thank you for that. What about you, Leonie? Uh, so my honours board, um, I would like to enter Te Arafatu who are um, a youth indigenous climate group here in New Zealand. They're currently um, at the COP25 climate conference, just fucking shit up and making trouble, protesting, getting kicked out of stuff. Good on them. These guys are so cool, and um, much like um, Alex's faith in Sophie Hanford, um, these they're mostly young women, but there's a couple of young men in there, um, these activists really give me hope that the world is not completely fucked and that uh, indigenous um, values when it comes to climate change and crisis might actually be listened to because they're very hard to ignore, which is what I love about them most. Um, Dishonours board, it's going to be a tie between the whining assholes on Oiwairaka have no right to be there protesting about a bunch of trees that don't mean nothing to nobody. Leonie, they're mana whenua. They arrived by a plane <laughs> yes. 50 years ago. Lisa Prager gets a special <laughs> shout out for claiming to be mana whenua. She can fuck right off. <laughs> um, and they are tied with Garrick Tremaine, who knows what he did. Yeah, that was, yeah. Um, because the entire country told him to go away and jump in the bin, and he lost his job, his... Terrible, terrible racist cartoon. But to be fair, it's not the first racist cartoon he has created for the Otago Daily Times. It's just the one he got fired for. So uh, the editor gets a dishonourable mention as well because we all know he only bowed to pressure. Mm-hmm. So that, yeah. that, those are my entries. You got right on. Can I just say one thing about the, um, the, the dishonour one for Garrett Tremaine and the editor? Could I just 
maybe put the other ODT staff on the honors board for speaking yes, out about it. Yes, totally. Yeah, good one. They were great. They stood up for themselves. Yeah. My turn? Yes. All right. Um, so for the honors board, I thought I'd be a real sucker and, um, these are objects. I hope that's okay. Um, for the honors board, put the spinoff book. Yeah. I know. So gross. Sorry. Um, $50 notes sliding. Duncan's crying again. to you guys and to my, also my own employers. (laughs) Just like killing all those birds. Um, and for the dishonors board, it's a bit of a tie, really, and it's a bit tenuous that this is related to books, but um, the Cats trailer um, <laughs> was very horrifying. And if I can just like quickly tell a quick anecdote, is that um, so? It's based on the book by um, T.S. Eliot, who, and it turns out that the rights for this production are basically what has kept um, the book publishing company Faber and Faber afloat for many years. Wow. Um, so I, I found this out because I went to a talk by the, um, I think the head of publishing at Faber and Faber, either way, some, some descendant of the Fabers, and he mentioned that. And so before I even knew what was happening, my hand went up. And I asked a question, and the question was, what did you think of the Cats trailer? (laughs) (laughs) It was quite a serious literary event. (laughs) He was a good sport. What did he say? He was like, oh, I think it was quite interesting. (laughs) 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 That's a direct quote. (laughs) And then um, also, if you guys um, are interested in scammers, we did cover this on the podcast quite early in the year, but um, Dan Malloy, a.k.a. AJ Finn, Really, really great story about him. He is a crime novelist. Um, He basically lifted the plot for his novel from um, the film Copycat. He also has told many, many lies about his life, including having um, cancer, uh, all sorts of things, mother dying, brother dying. So I really recommend checking that out. It's a great scam story. Awesome. From the New Yorker, right? Yes, in the New Yorker. Very good. Yeah, I great. thought it might be on the spinoff.co.nz. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I retract. I retract <laughs> that. Copy and paste it. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's my turn. Good. Yes, yeah. Alex Casey. Mine are both objects too. Cool. Um, my honours object is, um, again, I'm not sucking up to her, but it's Erin Simpson's wedding ring. sucking <laughs> up. <laughs> the wedding yeah. rings of Erin Simpson and Zach Franich, who uh, got married last month. Their rings were 3D printed by Dane Rumble. Which I just think is what? just like it's gorgeous. It's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous thing. It's a gorgeous thing. It sits alongside like I think it was last year that I put the Max Key fidget spinner in this holy honors board. It's just that kind of yeah. collusion of bizarre technology and like celebrities that I just absolutely love. It's in the metaphorical real pod museum, if not the actual real pod museum. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. Yeah. I'm trying to get into the will. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure this podcast has helped a lot. <laughs> My dishonors, the object is uh, the Waipu Terra doll. Oh, yeah. The scariest thing of the board. year. The ancient doll that disappeared mm-hmm. from the museum in Waipu and was returned the next day in a bread bag without its hair. <laughs> oh my God. Just horrible. And I think about it all the time. I think about it at least twice a day. <laughs> And I just think we need to know more. That's another 8,000 word feature yeah, coming really in 2020. Coming in 2020. Oh. <laughs> Thank Another you, Alex. Story. Duncan, who's, who's back Ooh, miraculously? Back. Yeah. We don't know why. We don't need to know. <laughs> I had an optional meeting at two and I've got a mandatory at three. So if we're still going, I could yet make a second great escape. <laughs> uh, so my, my Hall of Famer is Trev. Ooh, Trev from the Great Kiwi Bake Off. Oh, yeah. hey. <laughs> uh, 
Trevor, like I, I think I might have. I've certainly enlisted this type of person for various, um, you know, uh, honors of, of like I, I get confused. I think we have like real, some kind of real pod annual events right, where I uh, nominate people for various things. But anyway, Trevor's embodies this particular type of kind of renaissance kind of dude that i'm powerfully attracted to as as a as a personality he like runs iron man grows plums he's this army bloke he's got he's just an extraordinary baker like incredibly creative and ambitious misreads briefs but but somehow brings it home he's got this tussle of of curly hair at the front he's he's both like incredibly ambitious and sort of fastidious but also just monumentally generous will down tools to help struggling competitors in the, the slightest uh you know opportunity and you know he's he's now the sole surviving uh man on uh bake-off and couldn't and then he just he participates in the the spirit of the show beautifully and trevor's just just we could all stand to be a little bit more like Trev, basically. What was his Trev. selfie biscuit? Was it CrossFit or F45? I can't remember. It was, no. uh, it was eat clean. It said eat clean, train mean, and yeah, I right. said. Yeah. <laughs> Trev's like a mountain <laughs> running. Like he's he's built like... He's Duncan's idol. Yeah. I've got a lot <laughs> of time for Trev. Duncan. Yeah. Uh, and, and my dishonest board, like, this guy is objectively bad, which is why I put him on the dishonest board, but I also think... He's a real classic Kiwi joker and, you know, so he uh, he's a nude burglar um, <laughs> from Northland who uh, tried to go for a swim in, uh, in, and on, in, in a private pool. And on finding that the cover was on the pool, he downed trowel and took a pee into the pool. Aww. And then having been halfway there, decided to disrobe completely and wash himself in the spa, which is a detail I kind of missed at the time. And when he'd finished this whole operation, ran off with a giant inflatable art swan. <laughs> and it just, like we cover a lot of odd, new, odd stuff yeah. <laughs> on, uh, on RealPod. And that one just really stayed with me. Just the, the narrative arc. Of a, of I'm surprised to hear he's on your dishonest list because he sounds like someone you'd be friends with. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I was. I, I actually had a cold. So I was like, was that me? <laughs> you know, because you just you never know what you get up to. So was he a serial offender? I mean, it, I don't think you do that in isolation. I think you escalate. Has he been caught? That. No. It also said he was in his twenties, even though they had very grainy footage. I don't know. There's a lot in the story. Another eight thousand words yeah, yeah. coming. It sounds in like a podcast. commission. Do we know what part of New Zealand this was in? Northland. It's not the same guy taking dumps in the Southland pools. You can travel all around the country now. Could be part of it. Planes. All the roads are paved. Lock down all the Jetstar domestic fares until we know what's going on. Good point. Great. Thank you. Those are great additions. Toby Manhire. Um, inspired by the egg-based conversation earlier. I'd forgotten, but the egg boy. Who oh, was yeah. uh, the guy who um, the guy who uh, egged the Senate senator Fraser Anning, Fraser Anning mm. the Queensland senator, who blamed the um, the Christchurch mosque attacks <laughs> brilliantly on Muslims. <laughs> Get that, yeah. and uh, and then also raised a whole lot of money and gave it to uh, to Christchurch based charities and stuff. It was very cool. And if we're going to include him, we also have to include 
Abdul Aziz, who was the um, uh, furniture shop owner who was at the Linwood Mosque who attacked mm. the uh, shooter with an FPOS machine, yes. which is fucking hard out and that incredibly cool nice. and saved some lives in the going and doing so and somehow kind of summed up a lot of things. Um, so he, he goes he goes up there too. And finally, just to be sentimental, since um, we're saying nice things, to Tina and Alice, who've Yay. been recording all our podcasts all year. Our podcast Brilliantly angels. Getting rid of our defamations, keeping us um, <laughs> keeping us happy. And so thank you guys and for that. jail. Thanks, guys. Oh, and guys. bad one. Dishonours. Bad. bad. Well, again, Tina and El- No. <laughs> uh, uh, who did I have? Oh, I just... No, I've got the, the entire nation of Australia. Yeah. Um, which is uh, presently on fire and kind of, you know, illustrating in a kind of unmistakable, uh, painful, catastrophic, tangible, tragic sense, the impact of um, human created climate change and still in this most shocking state of division and um, incapacity to properly confront those sorts of issues. Mm -hmm. The terrible culture wars, and it's real bad. Let's not be like them. Bad. Shame. Ben Thomas. Because Toby already took people who tackled gunmen. um, On his board, yeah, I mean... (sighs) You know, when you see things like the response to the Fakati eruption, you know, with chopper pilots just kind of casually dropping in um, into a, an ash cloud to go out and pull people off, you know, an erupting volcano. And then, you know, if you're anything like me, you think I sit down at a desk and write all day. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I occasionally take brave stands by saying something mean about someone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> And and you know and when you when you sort of start to you know you know when you start to think about you know what these you know pretty everyday people are like um, in an emergency, it's extremely humbling and extremely awe inspiring. Um, dishonors list. I just want to start getting very obscure again. Peter Hughes, the state services commissioner. <laughs> You know we are in Auckland right now. It's not <laughs> I'm just saying what everyone is thinking. <laughs> is there a maths metaphor? The, is there an elaboration? Like no, oh. no. Although, did you, you now who who was the who was the who was the fifty something maths? Um, Christopher. Christopher looked a lot like Nigel Ladder, right? And I can't and I can't figure out if no. that's why I dislike him or Nigel Ladder. Um, but no, Peter Hughes, State Services Commissioner, has over the last few years and continued this year to oversee uh, just an extraordinary lack of accountability in our public service. Gabs McClough, the, you know, I was hacked by Russians, you know, when he had just like left everything up on the website, leading to an unprecedented budget leak. Um, escaped any kind of censure from Peter Hughes, who seems to be running the public service like an old boys network. This is the kind of thing that, you know, as a society, we should be trying to move away from, this kind of patronage and sort of feudal system. Um, And recently, a a bit of legislation, a a new state sector act has been uh, introduced, designed by Hughes, and nobody even knows what it does. Um, But it's a reshaping of our public service in the image of, you know, whatever the Wellington Club sort of uh, public sector equivalent is. Anyway, just to end on that populist note. (laughs) And that was Ben Thomas's honest opinion, (laughs) to be clear. 
It uh, was very brave, though. Yeah. Very, very brave to say. <laughs> um, Where will Nigel Ladder be on the Labour list next year, Ben? He made it quite clear he's not running for nobody <laughs> on Twitter. I just, just Labour need Labour needs to sort out its celeb problem. <laughs> they need to they need to purge Nigel Ladder. They need to change their cell phone numbers. They need to tell yes, Jason yeah. Kerrison to stay in his fucking ark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great, thank you. Hey, um, I'm just going to take advantage um, of my position as host to add one more person slash, no, group, to my honours list who I forgot, which is the whānau at Ihu Mātau Seoul have shown just the most amazing tenacity and mana and leadership this year. We don't know if they're going to have any success coming going into 2020. Um, but they have absolutely made history, I think, um, for Māori and uh, for standing up for themselves and for us, of which I'm very, for which I'm very grateful. Um, and on that note, it's been an hour. Well done, guys. Yay. Can we get an actual honours board like they have at Lords, where each year, you know, in some gold writing, we put yeah. all these uh, names idea. up on there. Did we do honours board the first first time round? We did, yeah. Right, so there's three years. There are three years worth of honours wow. and dishonours. It's wow. a, they're, they're great lists. So, and it's only. And it's only like ten to twenty people per year with extensive footnotes. <laughs> yeah, so. a lot of pe- a lot of people come back in two or three, but yeah, yeah, great. Hey, thanks everyone. I'm cutting us off. That's it from us. Um, a huge thank you to our producer and angel Tina and her co-producer Alice. Um, and thanks for all the support that you give all the pods throughout the year. Um, everybody look out for a special Christmas reel pod on Boxing Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Time. Um, and go to our podcast page on thespinoff.co.nz to check us all out. Um, and we also have a pop-up podcast right now, The Spinoff Book Out Loud, where some of us read from The Spinoff Book, which is available in all good bookstores. <laughs> um, all of our podcasts are available on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever good pods are. Um, and if you want to continue to support the work we do, as Simon said... Check out Spinoff members. You can support us for as little as a dollar a week and it makes a lot of difference. It's election year next year. We need independent media more than ever. Mere kira hi soho pākehā. Thank you for listening and we'll see you all again next year. Hey te ratau. Hey kōna. Thanks for Thank you. Thanks for Kia ora e te iwi, te Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spinoff member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.